Schedulicity has done it once again. They, uh, uh, in addition to their $5,000 a month grant that they give to a barber or to a hairstylist, um, they just, uh, they just made it so it's uh, a little bit easier to make some money. Yeah. I mean, they uh, came out with a credit card processing uh, payment system called Schedulicity Pays. It's pretty exciting, right? I mean, like they're offering it, uh, they're offering credit card processing for 1.99% or 10 cents a, a swipe, but... And what's cool about that is that they'll get, even give you a uh, free uh, card reader. That's unheard of, right? Because I know I paid like a bunch of money for mine. Yeah. You know? So they're going to give it to you free and then only charge you 1.99% per- with a... Uh, 10 cent a swipe fee, right? Yeah, you can't beat that. You can't beat that at all. Um, and also what's really cool too is it works within your Schedule City app, so you don't even have to leave the app or use a different um, like app outside of outside of the, uh, you know, the, the, the already app, right? Yeah, you just stay in one platform. That's can't it. get easier than that either. I'm like, <laughs> I know, right? And you can uh, manage all your uh, all your papers right through there, right? Yeah, all your inventory and everything. It, you know, all major credit cards are accepted. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the best part, which is also what makes Schedulicity incredible, is their their customer service, or as I like to be called, the rock stars. The rock stars. So you still have the love, same. Love the rock stars. The rock stars are are the difference makers in this company, as far as I'm concerned. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, and so you still get that uh, that that same service with them. Um, so I mean, literally getting paid just got a little bit better. Yeah. And then for uh, more information, just visit schedulicitycares.com to find out uh, more information on getting paid. Schedulicity Cares. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey and of course I sit with my best bud. Tony, what's up, man? What's up, brother? Today's going to be a fun day. Yeah, we, uh, you know, it's cool. We're talking to um, someone who's uh, created a space in our industry mm-hmm. uh, for people that travel and uh, that need a chair or a particular space to, uh, you know, for their clientele. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, and that's hard to come by, you know what I mean? Unless you know somebody uh, or you have a friend at a salon. Otherwise, you know, you kind of <laughs> in a hotel right or going right? to their house or whatever. <laughs> But uh, this particular person's created space uh, for the hairdresser that does it. a lot of traveling, and she has and she has a, a complete history of like of the business side of our industry too. So I, I can't wait to uh, kind of get into that as well. Yeah, she's she spent a lot of time in the industry uh, focusing on the business side of it. So uh, I, th- I think we're going to get some uh, some really good stories, some really good information, yeah, especially sure. on the business side. And I can't wait to get it, really get into uh, what she's doing now. Yeah. So today our guest is Charlene Wilkerson, and she has a um, her her husband actually is a salon owner, and 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 again I kind of I kind of want to tease what their space is because uh, but it's an open space. Um, let's have her tell it, yeah. shall we? But you got to wait a little bit because we have a little bit more of her story before we kind of get to what she's doing now. So, Miss Charlene Wilkerson, welcome to your day off. Hi, guys. How are What's you? What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, welcome. Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, completely. Thank, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, making time for us. Yeah. So, so where, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Pennsylvania, Scranton area. Not exactly Scranton, but yeah. <laughs> PA girl. 
Yeah, yeah I know Square because of The Office, right? Of course. The, the movie, the TV show, The Office. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This. We we're totally oblivion. Nobody knew us, and now we're like famous, but not always for the best reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the office, that's a pretty good reason. Yeah, it's not bad. Before it was like Home Alone. I think there was one little mention being stuck in the airport in Scranton, but that's as famous as we got till the office. Till the office. Now the office yeah. like made you guys huge. Yeah. Yep. We still watch that show Same all the time. time. Oh, it's do. always it's always <laughs> on a loop on uh in this house. Yeah. All the time. Now, now we're famous. Now we're good. Famous. famous that's awesome <laughs> so how um uh, kind of tell us your story like did, or did you go to college or, or I, did, I, yeah. I did I went to school in Scranton I was a theater major and mm. I always wanted to come to New York and get out like as soon as possible and of course I got mixed up with one of you guys well maybe not exactly <laughs> one of you guys but another guy that delayed so I just kind of hung out in Scranton you can't make a living acting in Scranton sadly no. But I sang, I sang in cover bands and singing No Doubt covers and stuff in the clubs and, you know, kind of figuring out a way to get out. And um, I actually, my hairdresser was one of my close friends, Joanne Harris, and I haven't talked to her in forever, but I forever am indebted to her and I love her. Joanne, hi, if you're anywhere out there. Um, <laughs> she was a good friend of mine and she was a hairdresser. She had her own little independent studio out of her house. Very cool space. And she was doing a hair show with big sexy hair and I, they needed like a redhead, which I am. They needed someone who was willing to like cut their hair, which I was. So I'm like, yeah, I'm there. Free haircut, free color, you know, <laughs> 20, 20, whatever, you know, needed anything free I could get. And uh, yeah, so I went to this cool hotel. It was like the most glamorous thing, got my hair chopped up, but it was good and colored. And, and, and actually one of the sales manager guys from the distributor, He's like, oh, we're doing something at the China Club tomorrow night with Michael O'Rourke if you guys want to come. And I'm like, don't know who Michael O'Rourke is, never been to the China <laughs> Club, but I heard New York. I'm like, I'm there. Get me out of here. So, you know, just carpooled with Joanne and I think someone else. And we just zipped out to New York for the night the next day. And I found out he thought I was a hairdresser and was trying to recruit me to be an educator. I don't know how we thought I was a hairdresser. Apparently, I give off that vibe, right, guys? <laughs> That's yes. right. Exactly. 100%. 100%. <laughs> So, so when you said he, who is that? Is that the uh, was that Michael O'Rourke or was that no? The, this um, was his name was Michael Cocaro, and he was a regional manager for Sexy Hair, and he had like Deep Pasquale and a bunch of distributors at the time. All right. And so they needed educators and artists, and I was just I don't know. So I gave off that vibe. I got to go to New York for the night and hang out at the China Club and see Michael O. And I guess he thought that I totally pulled the wool over his eyes and said that deliberately to get to go to the club or whatever. But I know I'm like, no way, you you totally misunderstood. I never said it. To this day, I bet you if we were in the same room, we'd argue and he would insist that I was like trying to pull one over. But That's I will funny. say no. I'm like, no, I want to be, I'm in sales. I was in sales too, just, you know, retail, retail world there in Scranton. Uh -huh. And he's like, well, if you're willing to move to New York, I'm like, yes, please. And so here we go. I interviewed, I got a gig with uh, Big Sexy Hair. It was sexy hair, but everybody called it Big Sexy Hair. And uh, I was a brand manager for Deepa Squall. Do you guys know Deepa Squall? That's a distributor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually think we met them. I think we met them um, last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're still holding strong, which is amazing because there's so few independent distributors out there. So, and it was amazing for me to see the distributor side of the business because, you know, then I morphed into more like the manufacturer L'Oreal corporate end of it. But mm -hmm. You know, that was really kind of my pedigree and where I got to know a lot of the big names. And I was like 20 something and going to sales meetings and the sales managers were saying, slow down, you're talking too fast. And I was like, 
you know, this <laughs> young girl from Scranton trying to look cool with all right. these New York, New Jersey people. And, you know, anyway, so it, it was, it was a real experience. And, you know, I remember they like, you have to just drive around with these reps for a week to make sure like you're okay with sitting in a car and da da da. Like, yeah, you know, I, I love that. And I was always a little road warrior and I loved going places. And so that was kind of the beginning and I loved every second. That's what I love about our industry. Cause you don't necessarily have to be a hairdresser and to embrace the industry. Right. Uh, oh. Here, here, you know, it was just kind of like almost it meant to be right. I mean, yeah. you, you weren't a hairdresser, but they thought you were, they invited you to New York to the China club and you went there and, uh, you know, it's funny, you guys get into a little, you know, uh, you tricked me. No, I didn't. And then, you know, and it ended up into a, a job offering. And uh, yeah. I, I mean, that's pretty cool how someone finds the industry. It's incredible. It's, really. it's completely, you know? it's really different than, than any other story that we've heard. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, we, uh, we, I don't know yeah. how many people we've had on the sales side on. Right. Yeah. Really? No? So did you have any business at school? Did you take business at all? Or did you have? Any no, I was totally just a theater major and I was a singer and I was working at nine West. Like, but I became like the manager of nine West because I guess I was good at sales despite my intention not to be. And I remember <laughs> like my grandmother buying a car when I was 12 and I got her a really good deal. And the guy's like, you want to work here? <laughs> Cause right. I just always, I guess was good at that. But I think it's not really as much about sales. It's just talking to people and liking people and, asking questions and learning about them. So I've never had sales training except for whatever L'Oreal made me go to, which was fine. Right. I definitely don't remember much of that. But I just think the nice thing about this industry is that it's so human and it's so real and there's not a lot of room for BS. So if you have that, people can see you a mile away. And I think that that's probably why I did well in sales in this industry. Like maybe not on Wall Street, probably couldn't rock it there, but you know, I just, I truly loved all the people and all these like really cool, unique individuals I met along the way. So, yeah. so, so when you were doing these car rides, were, were you 100% committed to New York then? Or were you still like living in Scranton, just kind of hanging out in New York and seeing if this worked? No, I moved. I moved literally like guys, I was married and I told my husband who, you know, that was not the best choice at that young age to get married. I'm like, I'm going. I found an apartment. I can afford it on my salary. Come if you want. Don't if you don't. This is it. So I just knew I needed a change. And I felt like I was there a little longer than I should have been. And I just felt literally before I was actually hired when they were just doing like the test car rides. I'm like, this is it. This is totally what I want to do. And I love it. I loved every second. So yeah, I was just ready to go. So no, peace out. I went as close to the city as I could get which was sadly like not close to the city. It was like <laughs> 45 minutes out of the city, but I'm like, if everything goes sideways, I can afford it by myself. And yeah, that's that. That's pretty and then cool. I moved into the city a little longer, a little later on when I was solo independent. All right. So you left a, a, a big part out. Did he go with you? Oh yeah, he did. He did. But right. <laughs> yeah, like... Physically, physically, but not mentally. And then oh. it like really like crashed and burned really quick, which some of my old peeps from D plus school all know that crazy story, but um, it, it was, it was just what I needed at the right time, get me in a great place. And I feel like that's when my real like adulthood in life began. It was good. Wow. How did you, how did you get from the, uh, from the distributor to L'Oreal? You know, I loved sexy hair. I loved Michael O'Rourke. Donna Federici was the head of sales and marketing at the time. Michael Caparo, who brought me in just all these amazing people. And I learned so much. And I think, I just grew so much in those three and a half years. And I had this, uh, 
this headhunter just calling me, harassing me. And I, and it was for L'Oreal and it was for Kara Stoss and she couldn't get how I was not open to it. She's like, you work for sexy hair and I know it's an awesome brand, but it's with the distributor. She's like, everybody wants to work with the manufacturer and everybody wants to work with L'Oreal. And so literally, I think it was like in April that she started calling me and I finally like actually took the job in November and like took months to even go for an interview because I felt so passionate about what they did for me there. And, uh, you know, I realized though it was an awesome opportunity and a step for growth. And I think uh, the cool thing at the time was that Karastas was like, as Frederic Besson, she was the general manager at the time. She's like, we're like a little diamond, you know, we're not like L'Oreal, you know, corporate, you know, we're, <laughs> we're kind of our own little, cause I love like sexy hair was kind of like wild, wild west. It was crazy. I, they're like, can you go to Toronto? Sure. Can you go to California? I'm like, definitely. Can you go to Florida? <laughs> I remember like bouncing around from like the premiere show to like, something in Chicago to, you know, I'm like, just send me on the road. I'm there. And I think I was on the road for like two weeks straight once. And I just kind of loved that flexibility and that I could just raise my hand and do something awesome. Um, and I was afraid that going to L'Oreal would be like in a little kind of cookie cutter. I wouldn't be able to move around. But um, I think I was there when it was still really early days. And it was awesome because we were pretty independent. And it was literally like, big sexy hair, shatter haircut, like crazy texture. Um, these two guys, uh, I don't know if you know Rod Sickler, if you remember Rod Sickler, who's one of the hair artists for uh, Big They would take clippers and they would like to Metallica, be like just chopping the heck out of girls' hair premiere. And then I had to go to like Karastas, Manhattan, Upper East Side. <laughs> like, oh shit, I need to go shopping. I can't wear all this like studded crap. Uh, but it was funny, so... You know, it's like going it, from a rave to an opera. Exactly. Totally, yeah, <laughs> totally and I had was. never seen an opera. Never. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it was it was like definitely like little graduations, you know? Like I feel like Pasquale and Sexy Hair was like my alma mater. That's like where I got my degree in the hair biz. And then kind of L'Oreal was more like grad school. And then I got to really, you know, get to know some of these awesome salon owners in Manhattan, which are really like, some untappable. It's really hard to get to have relationships with these like big New York City salon names. And that's something that I never would have had the opportunity to do without Karastas. So it hey, just very- just to back you up a little bit, uh, yeah. what was what was kind of your job title at Karastas? Like what did you actually do? Well Karastas, I just started uh running the New York City sales market and then I became a regional. So I man uh managed the Midwest or Mid-Atlantic, sorry. So like from Connecticut down to your hood, down to like Virginia, DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like had a team of uh, brand managers that called on the salons and I managed the team of brand managers and all that good stuff. Wow. So you did that like from corporate then? Yeah. And you know, it was interesting because it was so cool and kind of independent and really chic and special when I started. And then, you know, every brand kind of has a life cycle and I don't know, I want to bore everybody with the whole retail side of things, but you know, Karastas was pretty cool in the beginning. And then we launched Shu Amora. So I was there when they launched that Shu Amora art of hairline. That mm-hmm. was amazing. And then, you know, just like any corporate company, you know, when you're only quote a startup brand for so long, and then you have to start playing nice with all the other, you know, L'Oreal Professional Colors and all that. And it kind of shifted. Um, and I loved managing people. And I like the people that I worked with as a, as a regional, some of my brand managers, they came with me to Orbe. And like now we're, you know, talking about each other's kids and going to visit one like on the West Coast. So it's, you know, that's, I think, what, what the best part of it all was, is that as big of a business as it is, I think we all agree it's super small. And like, 
Oh yeah. Maintain. Yeah, we've learned that. We've learned that through the podcast, right? Like, yeah, right. I'm especially sure. Especially now that social media, the internet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It really made it small. Everybody has yeah. a familiar face now, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And like Peru's had this whole other like, I'm like the one side. I feel like I know a lot of people in one kind of part of the industry, and then you mm-hmm. guys, I feel like, are a little bit more of this cool underground. And I feel like Peru's is bringing this together, and I'm getting to know all these people I didn't. So it's, it's really awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What yeah. um so so you went to Orbe right after uh, Karastas? Yeah. So um, Karastas was kind of shifting. It was getting a little bit more. I don't want to say mass, but it was just not as exclusive. And th- that mm-hmm. was like as much as I was kicking and screaming to leave. Um, Sexy hair, Karastas, I was literally like the first one, I think, to kind of depart from there, the, the OG that were there from the beginning, because it was so good for so long, but I just kind of saw something shifting, and, uh, you know, Tev Finger and Dan Kaner had started Orbe, and people have been whispering in my ear for a while, and I live in Manhattan in this building in Chelsea, and I swear it's like a hairdresser, hair salon building. While I was with Karastas, Frederic Basson, the GM, was like, Madame? She's French. Um, I would like you to open Robert Cree Salon. And Robert Cree Salon was uh, a big salon on Bleecker Street in the West Village. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was really like, you know, all the celebs, Sarah Jessica Parker and Carolyn Bissett and John John, like all just, I can't, you know, Mariah Carey, all these awesome, like the edge. I remember like my husband said, like somebody came up to the salon to check out and he looked at the credit card and he was like, what? It just said the edge on it. So like they have some clientele and she's like, Madame, I would like for you to go open that salon if you can with Karastas. No one has been able to do it. I think you can do it. So I did. Um, it was not easy. This guy Cree of Robert, there was a Robert and there was a Cree. He was a real pain in my ass. And I had a literally like harass him. And I made friends with the receptionist and be like, like he doesn't come in till like two. I'm like, wow, he's got a nice gig. He's coming in at two. So I would call him. I was on vacation. I'd be calling him. And, call. and finally, he took the, the line on. And uh, you know, I'm sure we both have very various uh, versions of the story. But I'm married to him now with his child. But uh, I originally <laughs> thought he was gay at first, and that I, you know, I didn't. Who knew? But um, so basically, he got me an apartment in our building before we even we're going out. So I moved into this building. He was a salon owner. There was like another salon owner, David Blanche, that has this cool place, Red Market. There's this awesome educator from Bumble and Bumble, Tom Gallagher, who lives in this building and like many others. This guy, Riyadh wow. are. So it's weird. There's like all these independent people are doing hair in their apartments. They have like professional sinks set up. Um, but like I'm getting off track, but um, Tom no, Gallagher. <laughs> It's cool. It's cool. You guys come yeah. visit. We'll have a party, you know, uh, all apartments, but, you know, we could link them all together. Um, but so Tom Gallagher was a hairdresser at Bumble for many years. And the founders of Orbe were the Bumble guys, you know, Tev Finger, Dan Kaner. And um, I guess he went over, he was the first guy, he, like wrote all the curriculum with Orbe Canales, rest in peace, Orbe. Um, and he just kept saying, I think you'd be really great. You should talk to them. You should talk to the guys. Like, it's an awesome brand. They're kicking ass. I think you'd be perfect for it. And at this time, I was like, you know, at first, he, it was like a year of him harassing me. But like, at that time, I was like, all right, I'm done. I'll go meet them. And I literally sat in a room with uh, Todd Hildum, Tev, Daniel Kaner. Dan Langer was the marketing guy. And I was like, yes. And it was a ga- gamble, right? Like, I had pension that I gave up with L'Oreal. And not that wow. I was ever afraid to gamble, but, you know. 401k match, awesome insurance, like, I don't know, lots of time off, good salary, you know, almost guaranteed to make your bonuses. But these guys were so 
compelling in what they were creating. And I think that it was a shift in me to want to be more of an entrepreneur. And even though, of course, it wasn't my brand, they like offered, you know, employee shares in the business. And I really treated it like my own brand. And I feel like that was what brought me into that entrepreneurial spirit. And I loved every second. It was back to the wild, wild west. I said it was like sexy hair and like the cool, fun hairdresser. You know, the education was amazing. Like sexy hair really always had great and cared a lot about education. Kerasos cared nothing about education back in those days. Um, so I was so happy to get back into that because I was the kind of person that would like, if there was a mannequin head left at like one of the D plus flaw sexy hair classes and a hairdresser didn't show up, I would like take the mannequin head and a pair of scissors and cut the head because I loved it. <laughs> want to be a hairdresser. I actually, my mother still has that same haircut that I gave her. <laughs> well, <laughs> one, Barbie. Yeah. Right. She left She made me cut her hair for a lot of years. And then I was like, mom, I can't do it. There's hair all over. <laughs> Got to go to the salon. I'm married to a hairdresser salon owner now. It's okay. Um, but yeah. So I think, um, it was just kind of like, again, it was really an instant thing. Like L'Oreal took me a while, but when, as soon as I sat down with those guys, I thought the that brand was, was beautiful. I thought that they had such a different perspective and I was never in the whole bumble bumble loop of people. And they were like our enemies at L'Oreal, you know? So, and then that was that. And it was literally, it was like in the first year of the brand, Kerasos gave me like a nice six month non-compete where they paid me not to work for six months. So that was pretty awesome that's pretty awesome yeah it yeah. was definitely cool yeah it was really Orbe nice. did a great thing because they kind of <laughs> like the product line just kind of the way i remember it it was kind of like real clean and classy but it was also a little bit of rock and roll under it too right yeah that's yeah. and that was kind of like it kind of was that uh that mix between Kerastos and and, and and sexy hair yeah like sexy hair grew up one yeah. <laughs> more chic you know exactly <laughs> right yeah it was awesome. And, and it had like, just, it had, um, the artist behind it. And that's something that I missed because I loved Michael mm -hmm. O. I just saw Michael O at, um, the IBS in New York a couple months ago. And he's, it, you know, there's just something about that person and that visionary and, and Orbe was that person. I loved just being in his presence, you know, and he was, you know, I just, it made it mean a little bit more, you know, when you're selling something and I never was ever like, Oh, I'm a salesperson. You know, nobody wants right. to say, I'm insane. I mean, some people do, but I was never <laughs> like this sales. I'm a salesperson. I'm great at sales. I just liked spreading the word and bringing people together and like showing people how they could make some money and be more successful. And when you had somebody like Orbe behind it and like the creative geniuses that were, you know, Right. Dan, Daniel, and Ted. It was cool. It was Charlene, cool. correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm, I probably am, but wasn't Michael Gordon involved with Orbe at first as well? No, he was not. He was never involved with Orbe. He, of course, was, you know, the Bumble and Bumble guy, and I, right. he had to stick around a little bit longer. So when uh, Daniel and Tev and Michael and all that crew sold to Lauder, sold Bumble and Bumble to Lauder, I think Michael had to stick around a lot longer than uh, oh, Tev okay. and Daniel did. So Daniel and Tev, you know, created this with some you know dan langer was the marketing guy i think uh michael had a he was still there for a few years so got it yeah got it, got it got it so you said that you know you like to share and you like for um you like to help people make more money kind of what did that look like from your side like what were you teaching the hairstylist about you know was it just retail sales was it just product sales was it education what 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 was that you know and and Michael O'Rourke said it. He's like, you know, don't be afraid to be successful. Don't be afraid to make money because when you're successful and, and you're in a, a strong financial place, you come from a stronger point of view to be able to help others. And I always remember that. And I like, it's definitely 
I take it to heart, you know, with my family, if I can help them and whatever. Um, so I, I think that it was a little bit of everything, you know, like Kerastos was more business. So we would teach them, you know, how to sell treatments and to be able to increase their paycheck as a hairdresser and be able right. to buy a house or whatever it is, you know, with uh, sexy hair, it was definitely about like the education and like the tools and cutting and, you know, just, you know, some of the guys there would just tell them how to just do a better job in the chair with your client in the consultation and all these things I feel like were little seeds that were planted that I got to learn from other people. And, you know, I didn't just go and talk about a new product launch. I tried to share something that was impactful to me from all these people. So, you know, Not you can go and you can say, this is our great new product and these are the ingredients and this is how much it costs and this is who it's for. But, you know, that'll only get you so far. And if you don't connect with these people in a real human way and like maybe give them an added value, just like you guys do for your clients every day, I think. And that's why, you know, 17 years or so later, here I am and still talking to the same people I talked to 17 years ago. And we mm -hmm. have that connection, you know, and, and these people have become my family now. So yeah, a little bit of everything, you know, talking about their books and their business, and, you know, get them to buy more product, of course, but only if they sold it. And you know, right. it's, it's always a balance. I always felt like I was serving two masters. I always felt like I was serving my company, you know, especially if L'Oreal's like, well, here's your goal. You got to make this much in sales a month. Right. But like, you can't just shove it down the salon's mouth. Right. And I, I've got in trouble a couple of times for really speaking up and saying like, you can't expect them to buy this just because we're selling it. Like if, if they're not needing it or if they're not doing well enough that it warrants it. And I remember like I wrote kind of a Jerry Maguire letter once. I'm sure it <laughs> damaged my <laughs> prospect of like becoming a VP someday at L'Oreal, which I didn't want to do at the time anyway. But I remember like saying like, you guys got to listen up. And you know, it's, it's hard because there's all these conversations that go on between the sales reps and the managers sometimes or the salon and, you know, and then they turn around and they go on a conference call and they give lip service. And, and I feel like that was the hardest thing for me throughout my career. And that's why I'm so happy to be doing something, you know, independent right now. How, how long ago did you leave Orbe? That, so I had a child and I used to travel like a crazy person because I was a new business. So I, you know, traveled up and down the East coast opening up new business. And when you're a new business, you're a road warrior. I was the only woman except for one other girl, Leslie, who left before that, you know, traveling. And I thought I could do it. And I remember going back and, and I remember uh, like my son was three months old and I had a little bit of a meltdown. I'm sure some of the women out there can appreciate this, even if you're just going 20 minutes down the road to an office. But um, the traveling was definitely uh, one of the reasons that I left and the company was positioning itself to sell. So I had a good opportunity and out there that was about three years ago, three years ago in August. And, uh, you know, that was kind of like a, what do I do moment? Because I mean, I'm sure you guys see how the retail world has changed so, so much in the last, I mean, I think the last 10 years, it's been like a seismic shift, sure. but I thought, I don't know if I even want to sell products anymore because you're forcing products into a salon that, you know, has stylists that don't want to sell them. They don't want to be bothered. That's not what they love to clients who just rather buy them on Amazon. I just felt like I was like fighting reality every day by what I did. So <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I could do that again. So yeah. So there you go. That was the last product line I worked for. That's wow. awesome. So, so then how long was the shift before you, uh, before you uh, evolved into your next venture? You know, I was, it's because everybody knows everybody. This person was like, oh, you're looking for this. You should call Charlene. She could help you with that. Oh, you're trying to do that. 
call Charlene, she could help you. So I kind of consulted a little bit and uh, got involved in a number of little random projects. And, you know, some of it was exciting. Some of it was like, I can help you, I'll do it. Um, but there's this gentleman, Dharmendra Manhwani, who he actually was part owner in over 300 Begin locations internationally. He brought it to India. They did like more dollars per square foot than Zara did in India with the Begins. And um, he sold his equity in that. To, he sold to private equity. He opened a salon in Soho. It was another like, oh, DM. He goes by DM. You should talk to Charlene. You need help with this. So he was doing something totally different. But, you know, I thought, I'll help you. I didn't know if what he was doing was kind of, you know, I see salons struggling. I mean, my husband owns a salon. He's owned a number of salons in the past 30 years. And I've seen the shift for a salon owner too, especially, and I don't want to say especially in New York City because it's happened everywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, you guys, you guys work out of a suite, right? Do mm-hmm. you kind of, yeah. yeah. And I see that the more kind of tenured in the industry a stylist is, the more, you know, they have these intense, deep relationships with their clients. And I mean, the reality is in 99% of circumstances, the relationship is between the client and the stylist and not the client and the salon. They might love the salon. They might like the proximity and like the closeness to where they live, but you know, it's been a shift. And of course with Instagram, with Facebook, you can get a hold of them. Like I still see salons like that tell the stylist they can't take their phone on the floor because they don't want them to like connect with these people. I mean, if they know their name, it's just crazy that this is still happening. And then they have like a community phone to take pictures so they could post and whatever. But, um, I mean, I've just seen the challenge. I've seen it personally, you know, in my family with my husband's salon and, and just with all these close friends over the years struggling to get great hairdressers. And it's because these great hairdressers are just doing their own thing. In New York, a lot of it is really like out of their apartments, like you guys mentioned. And I think that it's hard to find a really cool salon to work at if you want to be independent in the city. And I think that, um, you know, DM, he opened his salon, he opened it with one business model and he saw really quickly that he was kind of fighting against the reality. And he had the salon on West Broadway. It was across from the old Privé. And I think there must've been a lot of like traveling West coast, East coast stylists. And they would knock on his door every day and say, Hey, like, can I rent a chair? And he's like, no, no, no. Get away from my beautiful salon with my $70,000 reception desk. Go get out. Right. And, uh, my husband, you know, he's had some of the same people for, for 20 years work for him. He's had stylists that work for him at Robert Cree. They've left, they've gone and opened their own salons and they've come back at Chris Chase, his salon now, Chris Chase. And they, they've come back cause they're like, wow, that sucked. Owning my own salon was terrible. I made no money. I lost all my money. I made so much more money just working for you. And you know, I was anti, I, I talked the anti-rental, anti-booth rental for many years, you know, I have to be honest, like during the Karastash years, like it's subpar, it's this, it's that, but you know, you have to learn from reality. I think that's the one thing I keep going back to is that, you know, I'm an artist in a different way from my, you know, acting, singing days, but as artists, you guys don't want to be kept in a box, right? Like, especially at your place in your career, right? Absolutely. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about too. A lot of times, it's funny. Like we see the the evolution of of what's happening as well, and a lot of like salon owners aren't trying to evolve. They're trying to, you know, what I mean, keep it back from like where it was back in the day, and not evolve. And yeah. so instead of seeing yeah. maybe you know how can I evolve what I'm doing to incorporate so we can, be, you know, 
it make everybody happy. They try to keep everything back. And there's nothing wrong being a salon owner because uh, I, I was in a salon for over 20 years. Uh, like you said that, you know, your husband had it, you know, pe- people that worked for him for 20 years. I was in a place for over 20 years myself. And I love the guy and I give him a lot of credit and we talk about him about on the podcast a lot. But at the same time, he did not try. He, he wasn't evolving. He tried to prevent you from, very similar to the stories that you were saying to, mm-hmm. to grow as an individual. If you're not growing uh, the company, then, you know, you, you were being held back and, and yeah. it's just unfortunate that there's a lot of salon owners are like that, but it, it's amazing to see your perspective change yeah. and uh, you know, and, and, and grow. I, I, you know, I respect that because it's hard to do sometimes. Evolve or dissolve, right? That's right. Yeah. Evolve I'm, gonna that. I'm gonna add that into my my vernacular. I never. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, cool. So let's yeah. let's let let's get down to the to the nuts and the bolts. What are yeah. you doing for the industry? How can people get in touch with you? All that good stuff. So artist on go. That's what what DM. Uh, he's he's really he's the brainchild. He's the one who created this idea. So I'm just you know co-founder along for the ride, trying to help and bring what I can to it with him. Um, and the reality is we just want to make it easier for artists to be artists and we want to help salon owners pay their bills. I don't want to see my friends that I love lose their businesses and struggle. And Uh I think that you can fight it or you can, like you said, evolve and and kind of open up to it. But one of the things that I've, I've been lucky enough to do is work with awesome brands like that, that were a little bit more, you know, esteemed kind of, and, and there's a good way to do anything, right? I mean, you can be rental, you can be like, $90 $90 a day on Craigslist and just say, Hey, come on in. I don't care who you are. I'm desperate. I got to pay the bill. Uh, there might not be any towels for that renter, or you can do it in a really beautiful salon that guess what? They're probably already renting anyway. And I don't know, Tony, if you said it, like, unless you know somebody, you know, right. how are you going to even find out that that salon would rent? Cause you'd be like, Ooh, Chris Chase rents. Ooh, red market, these cool salons. So nobody would know it unless you knew someone and that's not cool and that's not fair. Like there has to be a way for great stylists and great salons to find each other. So what we're doing, and I think the most important thing is that it's really great visible spaces so that as an artist, who's probably at the top of your game, if you have a big enough book that you can work on your own and you don't need to walk in, not that they exist anymore, but um, (laughs) sadly, but you can find a cool salon that your clientele, you know, feels comfortable and beautiful in. And then you feel like you're still being a professional. You don't have to go to somebody's apartment and like, I mean, I have kids, I love kids, but like, gush over their baby while they're, you know, running around on the floor and the mother's chasing after them with your scissors in your hand. And then you have to like sit there while their colors processing instead of doing someone else's hair and like lug your crap on the subway, you know, five different places in a day. So it just, and I see a lot of people doing that. And I I've seen at the salon, literally like people with their phone in their hand, they're showing you pictures of family member, right? Like my husband's stylist that I, you know, we're friendly and there's like something pops up. Oh, Hey, if you can come to my house around eight, that'd be cool. My husband wants a haircut too. So they're like leaving his salon. They're going to someone's house after it. Salon's not getting any bit of that. And and that is like huge in New York. Only we're not as smart as say the West coasters where they charge (laughs) double to go to someone's house. So they got to sit on the 405. They're like, Oh, I charge you 120 here. I'll just charge me. I'll charge you 120, 100. Give me cash. So they're making like less money. They don't realize it. Anyway, so we have great salons. And then the other thing is it's an invitation only community. Well, what does that so mean? Basically, if you go to artistongo.com, 
www.ebooksforbusinesswomen.com and you try to check out our site and book a space unless you have like an invitation code or unless like I sent you guys in text, you know, a referral and then you could click on. So there's definitely some integrity to it and that it's a referral and an invitation only community. Um, we keep in tabs on all the artists. So it's like a really like respectful community. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is some of the biggest name hairdressers in the business that do this, that like rent in different cities and travel. I've heard nightmare stories from the salon owners where they leave it a mess. They like totally, you know, use four chairs instead of two. It's just, they trash the joint. The stylists that work there every day and the clientele, their clientele are upset by it. And there's no transparency then they can't go back to that salon because they did a bad thing but they might screw up three other salons on three other days right. because it didn't get out so we have reviews so you can okay. say Charlie I want to slow you down a little bit because yeah. I, I'm a little lost in the story so so sorry, sorry. salon that's okay that's okay that's okay artists on the go so that's um so what you're doing is you're you you have relationships with other salons in you know in Manhattan or where we'll just talk about Manhattan for now so you have yeah. these great salons and you guys have a relationship with them and then, and then artists on the go is renting the, almost like Uber for hairdressers, right? So you're actually, yeah. you have relationships with these guys where you're renting out some of their spaces yeah. so, or, or um, a chair. What is artists on go? I should have backed it up a little bit. What is yeah. artists on go? So artists on go is, it's a platform. It's a website that a hairdresser can go and they can rent a space. They can rent for an hour. They can rent for a day. They can rent for a week, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's a collection of salons. The salons are really nice, awesome salons, like some of the best salons. Right now, we're only in Manhattan. We're going to expand. But you can go online and say, I am working in Chelsea today. I, my clients are all based in Chelsea. I want to be at this salon for four hours. And you literally just go on the day before. You book it. You pay for it online. The salon gets a notification. They see that, you know, stylist Jen is coming in that day. She's got four haircuts. They can message back and forth if they need to. And that's it. So as a stylist, you rented a spot for four hours in a beautiful salon. Your clients felt like they were in a really special professional location. And then if tomorrow your clients are all uptown, you can rent on the Upper East Side. Maybe you only have two clients and you rent right. for two hours. You know, we have this awesome hairdresser, Josue. He works with Sarah Jessica Parker and does set work and stuff. And he left the salon that he was in and he just needs to see a client here and there after he's on set. So like one day he rented in Brooklyn after he finished shooting, he rented like two hours and he saw nice. his clients in Brooklyn. He used to go to their house. So now he's like, oh my God, I was done an hour earlier because I don't have to schlep and I had them both come within a half hour. So that's what nice. it is. So it's, yeah, it's an Uber or a WeWork or whatever for hair, but it's a community too. And there's I love this, man. I, I really, really love this. I, um, so what criteria is artists on the go going? If I'm a salon owner and, and, and I kind of want that, you know, what criteria are you guys looking for? I mean, you, you've sold that it's a really great space there. So mm -hmm. do you actually go in and look at the space or can you, uh, can you website uh, evaluate yeah. them or? So we have, I mean, and we're not, we're not trying to like hide the names of salons. We're not saying like cool chic salon in Chelsea. We have the name of the salon there. Mm -hmm. We have pictures of the salon that we had a photographer take pictures of all the salons. So there's not like somebody's tweaking and Photoshopping and making look better than it is. It's literally our photographer took the pics of all the salons. You know mm -hmm. what you can see, swipe through. Um, you can see what color lines they carry if you want to, you know, buy their color, you know, you can see what retail products they carry if you want to be able to have your 
clients buy retail shampoo and things. Um, so it's all pretty transparent. There's like a ratings and a review system. So you can actually like say, oh, these people gave this one five stars like 20 times. So, you know, you can feel confident about it. And you can look on Yelp and just like, you know what I mean? You can cross reference. We're not trying to hide anything, you know? Right. I love that. Yeah, yeah that's great. Like, it's, it's a brilliant um, idea and concept, especially in like New York or LA where you have more session, yeah. um, session people working. So totally. how, do you, how do you vet the hairdresser to give them the, the, the invitation? So right now it's all by invitation. It's really all by invitation only. So, I mean, I know if you're a good person for the platform, I know if you're somebody that's, you know, and, and the other thing is it's really self-selecting. I mean, if you're not a hairdresser with your own clients, your own book, I mean, this does nothing for you. So right. if you're not a great stylist, if you haven't evolved to a point in your career where you provide a certain level of service to have loyalty from your clients that are willing to follow you and go where you're at. I mean, in a way it's just self-selecting. The prices are super reasonable. You know, they're anywhere from 20 to 30 an hour if you go by an hourly rate. But at the flip side, you know, it's not worth it if you're not at a certain level in your pricing as well. So, you know, for us, we've just been so lucky that everybody's had great experiences. We literally just did a soft launch two months ago. We haven't done any marketing, nothing yet. We just want to, you know, it's tech. I'm not a techie. But, uh, (laughs) We, we, you know, we're working out all the bugs and it seems to be going smoothly and everybody has been really happy. I love this. I can't wait to um, see where you guys end up in like two or three years, you know, like how yeah. it evolves and all that kind of stuff. Cause it, it, conceptually it's great. So as a stylist, like I come into, you know, X salon, mm-hmm. um, I'm renting space from them. So do I have like full availability to use their assistance or what's, how does that break down or does that break down depending on the salon? Definitely a la carte this is definitely a la carte so like it's not you're not getting access to their color bar you're not utilizing their assistance i mean just like pretty much any rental space you're literally getting the physical space you're getting their back bar right. shampoos conditioners towels robes um if there's coffee tea all that but you know you're doing your own shampoos and finishes you can um at an extra charge, have the option to use an assistant at some of our locations. Um, we'll be rolling out really soon the ability to say, just buy the developers. If you don't mind carrying around your shoes, but you don't want to like log a leader of developer. Sure. So, you know, we've seen kind of the challenges for the artist. So um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's all a cart, but I mean, I think, and we haven't just had cutters. We've had colorists come and it's, it's really been great. I think it's a lot easier than taking the subway to four different places in one day or, a taxi or driving if God forbid. It's amazing. Yeah. Right. Really, and we, we have a few friends that um that that do session work in New York. We yeah. would uh we should probably uh reach out to them yeah. to get in touch with you. Yeah, definitely. And you know, speaking of session work and things like that, I mean one of the most important things to us is the community because it's not really a community renters right now. I mean, would you agree with that? It's hard to have that community. Yeah. Especially in a suite. You know? 100%. I mean yeah. So we're trying to bring the education side to things, you know, definitely um, partnering with some awesome brands that, you know, we'll roll out as they come. But, you know, so for example, if you want to do extensions, right? I mean, you, if you worked at a commission salon, you can get an awesome class on say great lengths from the salon if they arranged it and brought them in. But if you're independent, it's kind of hard sometimes to know how to get that education. So our host salons will actually host education and then you as an independent artist can come to these, these education events and can like meet other independent artists, can learn new techniques. So you're not becoming stagnated just because you chose to leave the salon. And 
So, you know, there's a community aspect and education aspect to it. So, yeah. I love that. Love, 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 love. Yeah, that's the biggest, one of the biggest problems of being an independent. You yeah. know what I mean? You don't have, uh, or people don't know how to find that type of networking or that type of education. Yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly a challenge, right? It's certainly a challenge. And I, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen like these hairdressers that used to work at a salon where they'd all hang out after the end of the day and like chill in the garden, have drinks or go out for dinner. And now all of a sudden they're all independent. They're like, oh, I I haven't seen anybody in so long. And so we sometimes just have like cool, like one of our salons, JA Studios, she just had like a one year anniversary. She had an awesome cocktail party and it was the coolest thing because there were all these hairdressers and some salon owners that I knew and there were like no ego. There were no boundaries of like, ooh, I'm not going to go to your salon. And just, you know, all these cool hairdressers from all over the city coming together, just like breaking bread, having a drink and chatting. And it's, that's what we hope to do is to kind of break that all down. Charlene. So let's say like IBS is coming to town or I know BTC did something in New York back in March. Like could, could, you know, an artist that's going to be in town to do models and stuff, could they also rent space? Um, Especially like if they were going to do, you know, present something at BTC or, or IBS. Totally. I mean, the craziest thing to me is that some of these hairdressers that are seeing these beautiful models or these celebs or whatever, that they're like in a hotel room with women hanging over a tub, rinsing out highlights. It's like nuts. So absolutely. That's especially, I think, uh, a big target for us and agencies like, you know, even for fashion week prep or whatever, but yeah, definitely. So that's a huge thing. And we've had, we've had a lot of that. We've had, um, one of our stylists, Ricardo Rojas, he comes between LA and New York and, you know, he came in, he needed to prep some models for an event and he was doing it at Neiman's with his product line. And so he did that. We even did an event at one of the salons kind of like promoting his line. So we can be like an Etsy of sorts for like all these cool indie brands. So you can fight the big L'Oreal monster and not to call L'Oreal a monster, but you know, you can fight <laughs> yeah. the big no, corporate. It. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. That's the best. Charlene, way to smash our friendships there. That was really cool. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, listen, L'Oreal, L'Oreal gave me my husband and my child. Thank you to that. (laughs) Yes, not chat, not chatting, but you know, it's definitely a David and Goliath and to have like a newbie brand just popping up and to have an audience with people in Manhattan or LA or Mm -hmm. DC or something like that. It's just giving them an opportunity. I know that um, I know Eric Taylor that owns Salon Republic. I don't know if, if he if he's done it across all of his um, studios, but I know that he was doing what was it called the Lab, right? Yeah, the Lab, the, the Lab. So he was actually renting out space, like in his Salon Republic, like like day spaces, mm-hmm. you know. And um, he said that uh, he said it, it's appealing to uh, to to visiting artists as well mm-hmm. as people that want to try out yeah. the uh, the the independent thing. Have you had anybody reach out to you that just kind of wants to see if they can do it independently, but still yeah. work for like a commission salon? Yes, I actually I mean, don't have. give names because that would be terrible. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had an awesome conversation Busted. with this girl though. She's I had talked with her on Friday, as a matter of fact, because it's still new. So just like I jump like ten steps ahead and start talking about all the other aspects of it without just getting down to the basic of it. She just had to understand what the concept was, mm-hmm. and she's been working commission, and she might still want to, but going between say Brooklyn and and New York city. And just like, she's trying to figure out like, what are all the moving pieces and can I do it? And so for her to like dip her toe in, I mean, I just think that that's, 
the best way to do it because you don't have to negotiate this like month long, you know, $5,000 a month. And she was on the West coast before. And she's like, it's so much more expensive in New York. And it is because there's not a lot of transparency from the rental situation. So we're trying to like organize all of that. So yeah, it's, it's the most easy way to do it. Charlene, so like, like we're in the DC area and like the, the, the sweet model, um, you know, it's only been around really for the last five years, there were some there, you know, 10 years ago or so, but it was like real, it was slow to come. And now, now we're starting to get, you know, all the solas and, you know, the, um, the Dennis Ratner, uh, stuff and the Phoenix, you know, like, like we're getting all that. Is Manhattan set up like that? Like, are there, are there like, um, suites or, or, or is it, it, mm -hmm. it's starting. I think Manhattan's kind of been insulated from the whole rental market. Like, I mean, I remember 10 years ago or 12 years ago, you know, talking about it and there were like two places, but here we are 10 or 12 years later, there's maybe like six places that everybody knows about. But now there are a couple suites that are starting. Um, I don't know that that works well with the New York clientele as much. They kind of like the buzz and the energy of a salon. So I don't think the suites and just from a, from a, a real estate and the cost of the rentals, like Can't you imagine. have to charge a lot for a suite. So somebody left Chris Chase, um, my husband's salon, and they went, and this was a young guy, young in his career, and he took on a $7,000 a month nut, like rental nut, that he had to like cover. I'm like, dude, you used to post so many pictures like in Miami, like you can't go anywhere now, like you have to pay that rent. You think you're going to go away for two weeks, then what's going to happen? You still have to pay, you're now a salon owner, right? $1,700 a week. Hmm. And that was one of the cheaper ones. I mean, and that was a monthly, but you know, some places have an hourly rate and so forth, but not a ton. So the thing that we're seeing is that a lot of the, I mean, everybody is something else, right? Like, um, your guy from Schedulicity, he was a a musician, right? Like, yeah, I I was like an act. We are all something else. And I find like a lot of hairdressers I talk to like, they're a yoga instructor or this one's creating her own like hair, hair barrette line or whatever. So, you know, more podcasters. Yeah, you're podcasting. <laughs> you yeah. are. You're entrepreneur. <laughs> so maybe, you know, maybe you don't want to rent someplace for like a month and spend $7,000. You want to like pursue other passions. So the fact that you can rent what you need when you need it, a couple hours here and there, you know, I think that that's really what's going to appeal to these to these artists, these like free-minded people. Because the suites are, you know, I, I think they're amazing in a lot of markets, but they're definitely not. For a lot of New Yorkers, I love this. Yeah. So, Miss Charlene, uh, give it, give us all the stuff. Where can people find you? How do you get an invitation and all that jazz? I will uh, give you guys a code for your listeners. Um, oh, let's see which one we have a couple codes floating around. Let's do A O G, A O G for Artist on Go Press P R E S S. You're kind of like press. You're like a. Uh-huh. We'll out there it. in the cosmos so aog press p-r-e-s-s so if you go on artist on um it'll say enter your invitation code so they can enter that um and then you can be on the site you can like log in with instagram which is the easiest best way for a couple of reasons one it takes like 10 seconds all you'll have to do is type in your email address after that and the nice thing is for salon owners that are very protective of 
their spaces, which, you know, some of these salons you wouldn't normally have access to. I mean, most you wouldn't have access to. They're not known as rental salons. But if they can like click on your Instagram and like see a couple like human pieces of you, um, the salons all approve the bookings for the most part. There's a couple instant bookings where you can just book and you're good. But for now, um, they're approving the bookings as they come in. They can click on your Instagram. You're, you know, you'll get approved a lot quicker. Um, and that's really it. So artistongo.com, A-O-G-P-R-E-S-S, where it says enter invite code, type in A-O-G-P-R-E-S-S, A-O-G Press, uh-huh. log in with Instagram, enter your email, you're on, and it'll kind of geo tag where you're at, and it'll show you the salons closest to where you're at, but you can kind of scroll through and see all over Manhattan and Brooklyn. Nice. The rates are anywhere from 20 to 30 an hour, and there's day rates there too. But we can do longer term. But right now, I think everybody's really loving those hourly rates to try it out. And, you know, that's it. You know, you can submit a request. You don't get charged unless it gets accepted. Um, a couple of the salons have instant booking. So if you need to see a client in three hours, you can literally go on and book a space for that afternoon. So. That's awesome. So, and yeah. Uh, I was going to say, so if, if I owned a salon mm-hmm. and I wanted to partake in this, how, how can I find out or how can I reach out to you to, to maybe jump on board? Anybody that's interested in anything like as a salon owner or as an artist, you guys can all email me. Um, Charlene Wilkinson is my name. So my email is CW, my initial at artist on go. Um, not the, just artist on go. So CW at artist on go.com. Just email me. Um, we have a wait list for salons in Manhattan and we have some waiting in the wings for when we launch to other cities. So don't if you're not in New York City, it doesn't matter. Just reach out to me because we're kind of compiling that list and we're going to roll the cities out based on demand because we have a little place on the website where you can say where you want it as an artist. Like I want to be in DC. Get me some salons there. So, um, yeah, love this, Miss Charlene. This is incredible. I, I think it. I think it's amazing. I think it's a. It's that hole between like um like commission salons and uh and sweet and and the sweet life, right. you know That's and and. I think, I think it's pretty cool. Um, again, I, I'm super excited to see where this evolves into in the next, next year or two. Um, DC, DC. Yeah. <laughs> I love DC. I've worked in DC on and off for my whole career. I totally will come and hang. That's awesome. awesome. Miss Charlene Wilkerson. Thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Thank you, Corey and Tony. Have a great day. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>